How many of us got a, a pink chocolate when you walked in? That's cool. You may want to eat it. Part of my message today is, is, I guess, sensing the difference that this chocolate will make within you when you partake of it. Because that is to be the difference the Word makes in us as we partake of the Word. So just as you today unravel this beautiful chocolate that's not that big, it's a good nugget size, but I'm sure the chocolate and whatever's inside it is going to tickle our taste buds. And as it makes its way down our throat and into our stomach, we will all be altered because of eating the chocolate for a moment. And then we'll need another chocolate to feel that again. And another chocolate, an apple, and a banana. But Jesus has promised us something else. He promises us food that actually quenches our thirst buds for this stuff. He promises himself, and he said, in fact, if you come to me, you'll never be thirsty, and you'll never hunger again for anything else. That doesn't mean you can't eat chocolate, because chocolate's lovely. But it means there's a food source that's available to us called his word himself. And as we've been looking at, we are transformed through his word, not any word. And that word is to go deep into us so that it would then come out of us through the demonstration of our lives, correct? So I want to unpack a little bit more of this today. And this is the final part of 1 Thessalonians. But before I do this, I just felt the Spirit speaking to me about Amos 3.3. 3. And then I'm going to ask for commitment. Ooh. I'm going to ask you to commit to something only if you know you want to commit to it. And the commitment you're going to make is not before one another, it's before him. So as I'm reading this, and I want to read a bit, seriously consider whether you want to make this commitment or not. Okay, is that cool? So Amos 3.3 says this, Do not, sorry, says, Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? So do two, three, four, five, one hundred, two fifty, a thousand walk together unless they have agreed to do so. So if we want to go in the same direction, we must agree where we're going, yes? So once again, in a sports team, my sports analogies, if a sports team wants to win the English Premiership like Leicester City just did, a bunch of Average sort of players with a couple of really good players, but great teamwork, great team spirit, great team ethic, great management. All things are possible when a team, a club, agree to go in the same direction and work for one another. And the thing that sets Leicester apart is their willingness to die for one another. Their willingness to actually love one another. Their willingness to play for one another and not play as individuals but play as a team. That is why they've won the premiership. They almost got relegated last year. This will give you an idea of how they've gone from one measure to another measure and now they have just won the Premier League, beating the likes of Manchester City, Arsenal, Tottenham, Liverpool. We did beat them 1-0 at our ground though. And see, this is just a beautiful physical representation of what's possible when a club like Leicester agree to go in the same direction. So I felt the Holy Spirit just say to me, remind everyone what the direction is. So I'm just going to read this. We are, as a family, because we're a family, we're not a club. As Christine said, we don't have walls, it's not an organization, it's not an institution. We're a family. We have a father. We are called brothers and sisters in Christ, aren't we? We're his children. So we didn't pick one another. He picked us and positioned us to be in his family. Which means you actually got to get along with your family members because he's chosen it. But we as a family are desiring, asking, seeking, knocking, hoping and believing for all of us, all of us, to come into more and more of his abundant life in us. 
So not to us, but in us. His abundant life in us. Remember the chocolate? That we would partake and feel and know and experience what that is like in the physical and the spiritual. Jesus calls us into an abundant, abounding, overflowing life in, in him, which is in us. So if you abide in me and I abide in you, there'll be much life. Everything we are declaring, teaching, preaching, praying, being and doing is in relation to you and I coming into this abundant life in Christ and us. So this is the direction that we are going. Okay? We're not going to set up signs and wonders ministries. They follow the people who follow Christ. They are a natural expression of a follower of Jesus. Yep. So we are clear that the journey we're on, and there's nothing wrong with healing ministries and all those things. Please hear me, I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is what God has got up for us here is an inside-out transformational life, which starts with him and ends with him and has him in the middle. And that's why it's so challenging, because what that means is God is looking at our hearts. And he's looking into our hearts and our minds, and he can see all. He knows every fear and insecurity you have. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your strengths. He knows your personalities because he's given you those. He knows everything about you. And he died that you and I would have this fullness of life. So he doesn't come to hurt you. He comes to heal you. He comes to heal every broken part of your heart, every insecurity, every pain, everything that's been done to you. He comes to heal the brokenhearted, to bind up the brokenhearted, to create a wholehearted person that's now able to love him with all their heart, love one another as he would love, and live for him. You tracking with me so far? Okay, so this is what we're committing to if we say, I want to be part of this family. I'm committing to allow my heart to be exposed, my mind to be exposed, to be healed through the power of the word of God, that then it would enable me to continue to live for him in a full measure. And out of that realm, everything else flows. I will know my gifting if I find that reality. Why? Because the Father's going to put it in me and I'll know it because I'm in relationship with him. I will hear his voice when I'm out and about and around the city. So if the Father says, lay hands on Mel, I will lay hands on Mel and pray and declare healing. But what we're not doing is making the aspects of Christ the main thing. We're making Jesus the main thing. And we're making the transformation of our lives the main thing. Which does mean the light goes on our lives. And I'm not sure about you, but at times it's uncomfortable when the light shines on your life. And starts asking the serious questions of your heart. Only for the fact, though, to bring you into life more and more and more. So he doesn't do it to ruin us. He doesn't do it to wreck us. He does it to lift us up. That we're then able to appropriate the living word. And our lives would match the word. There'd be an interrelated, integrated one position, yes? And he said to me during the week, he said, Greg, you've got to fight for oneness in spirit. It's a fight. It's not casual. It's a fight. And at the point of oneness, there's division. See, at the point of the sharper, then the sword comes and it starts to point is where you also find the potential for division because it's going to separate flesh and spirit. And this is where the war is. It's a war between flesh and spirit. This is the war that Peter found himself in when Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem to die. And Peter said, no, you're not, and rebuked him because his flesh rose up. And so the spirit had to rise up against it. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to rebuke you now and declare my ways to you. And then he said, Peter, you're not setting your mind on my interest, but on yours. You want your way, and it's anti-me, anti-Christ. So any time that our mind is in opposition to him, it's anti-Christ. It's in opposition to his and his way. And his love is covering that mindset. 
that heart attitude. Does that make sense? So his grace is covering that for the purpose and the hope that that flesh mindset would then come into an alignment of truth to set the captive free. Because there's no truth and no freedom in that position. Is that clear? That's why he's coming with his truth to cut and penetrate to bring us into abundant freedom in our hearts and our minds. How many of us want to be free from every worry, anxiousness, pressure on the planet? So Jesus said, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trials. You're going to go through things because that's what will happen. He said, but it's fully possible to live on this earth and overcome all those things because your word is in, me, in you. And you fight with the word of God, which speaks to the trials and the tribulations. And so you overcome all those things by faith in me, not in your own ability, not in your own strength. And then you're able to live the way I lived. Because he's the son, we're sons, and there's to be a correlation of sonship. So the reason why he has given us the spirit of sonship is to live as the son lived, to come into the life of the son. But that's a massive battle between flesh and spirit. My personal conviction, and this is my personal conviction, which I believe is true, is that is the real war. That's the real war, and the enemy is secondary. See, when you overcome the flesh by the spirit, then the enemy has no hold. That's the pattern. See, the enemy came to Christ, but Christ knew who he was. He fought with the word. And it says the enemy left him. Who won the victory? Christ, because the victory is already won. And it says the enemy will come back for another opportune time. When you truly know who you are in Christ, there is no war. There is opposition because he'll come, but you can just look and laugh. Does the enemy have authority? No. Unless you give it to him. See, we've taught the enemy is really the battles between the church and the enemy of Satan. That's, I don't believe, is the main battle. See, when the disciples got baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, they're full on now. They're full on. But before that, they're denying Christ. They're trying to kill people. They're trying to bring power from him and down and slash a whole lot of Samaritans. See, once we start overcoming the true battle through the power of his word, you just walk through. And I'm not saying there'll be darts and there'll be fiery arrows. You'll awaken him, but guess what? You just walk. Ping, 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 ping. Why? Because your armor of God is up. Because your armor is Jesus Christ in you. Make sense? Jesus Christ in you is your armor. Because the word, Jesus Christ, is in you. Why? Because you are eating Jesus Christ. The chocolate. Isn't that what Jesus said? Didn't he say... Do not work for food that perishes, but work for food that is eternal. Why? Aren't I the bread that came down from heaven that you are to eat? Why? So you can live an overcomer's life. And then receive the fullness of the inheritance of that life. It's incredible. So I'm going to ask you to stand. If you want to commit to what this family is about and what we're for, which is to come into and receive an abundance of life within you. And you're going to say, I don't care whatever it's going to take, I'm up for the ride. I'm signing up today for that ride. We sign mortgages, don't we? We sign up $500,000 debt to buy a house. We sign up debt to buy cars. We sign up debt to buy clothes. 
We sign up debt to buy everything else. We, so we commit. So I'm going to ask you to commit to the one and only true God and his way so we can actually come into the fullness of life. Can we do that today? So why don't we stand if this is what we want. Now, once again, I'm going to, I just want to lay this out. And there's no, there's no fear, there's no shame in not, because God is the God of the authentic. So if you're not ready, don't. Jesus said, if you're not prepared to count the cost, then wait till you are prepared to count the cost. So there's no shame. All that has to go because we're standing before Almighty God and God's not into that stuff. There's no fear in God. There's no insecurity in God. He says, come on, guys. It's, I want to do a work. I want to see. I want to do a real work. So, Lord, as we stand before you, we're two and more gather. We agree. And we agree today to the measure of understanding we have and to the rest by faith in you and trust in you. Just like the disciples, Lord, they didn't know where they were going. They didn't know how long they'd be away. They didn't know what it was going to cost. But to the measure that they knew, they responded immediately. And we want to be a people that respond immediately to your calling and what you're saying. So, Father, today we stand before you and one another. And we commit and say yes to allowing you to do this incredible deep work within us, to change us from the inside out, that rivers of living water would flow from our innermost being. Lord, that no matter what that takes, no matter what that's going to look like, no matter what the decisions we need to honor and make as we listen to your voice, we will make them to become and be and live as the true family of God on this earth where we are alive and an abundant measure of life. So we commit this to you and to love one another because love covers a multitude of sin. And we commit today with the measure of faith we have and we say yes. And may our yes be yes today in front of you and one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Grab a seat. And I just encourage you to hold one another accountable to that. So walk it out together and be open to be teachable. Amen. Okay, why don't we go to 1 Thessalonians 2 again. I'm just going to read this real quick. This is the last part of these points. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. And I can find it myself. Here we go. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches. And that's what we just prayed, that we would become an imitator. Paul said, imitate me. As I imitate Christ. The Bible says that we're called to be letters that people read. And it's a letter of the spirit, not of the, not of the pen, not of the flesh. So we are called to be a letter. We're called to be a signpost. And when people look at the letter that we are and they read us, they see Christ. They see God. They see love. They see abundance. They see generosity. They see a people that are living for someone else. And that letter is written by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this is who we're called to be, to be an imitator of Christ ultimately. So the pattern that we've been unfolding is receive. And we've looked at what does it mean to receive the way God intends. The word of God, the word that changes us, not just words on a page, the word of God that we could hear that word, so we've got to receive the word and hear it, then accept it. See, Peter didn't accept the word of God, did he? He rejected the word of God. Tracking with me? I'm going to Jerusalem to die. And Peter rejected that word. He said, no, you're not. So you can't mess with prophecy. It doesn't matter how much faith you think you have, you can't change the prophetic word of God, which the whole word is prophetic. 
See, Jesus was at the beginning. He foresaw Peter denying him. So he speaks from his reality, to which Peter's not in. Peter's in his own reality. And this is where you see the clash. But then beautiful Christ, because he's so beautiful, speaks the future reality again and says, one day you will go to the cross. You see the hope in that? So Peter is being taught by Christ, but he doesn't have ears to hear at that particular time. So he's actually anti-Christ. Hence Christ rebukes him back. Anyone want to be rebuked by God? In love, beautiful thing. Beautiful thing to get rebuked by God. Amazing thing. It changes you and alters you. Brings you into the life you weren't in. We run from it. It's a beautiful thing to be taught by God. It's a beautiful thing to, t- to have God teach you his ways. He does it with such gentleness but with power that it actually turns you and aligns you. See, the disciples all said the same thing. So they were all outside of not being able to hear the word that was coming out of his mouth. But he's the one of prophecy. He is the word. So he speaks his reality and it's going to happen. And did it happen? Yes. And did Peter then come back and then did Peter go to his death upside down on a cross? Yes. So Jesus sees everything and speaks everything from his perspective. It's just whether we hear and see from his perspective. Doesn't mean anyone's race is ever over, but you need to be able to, and we need to be able to as a family, hear and see from his perspective. Because that is life. And to not means you're going or staying. Jesus has moved on and you've stayed here. Or you've actually gone the other way. You're walking away like we see in John where many disciples left because they couldn't hear the word. So there needs to be an ability in the spirit to hear and accept the word. And today I want to look at this word that performs its work in you who believe. Okay? So question, where does the word performance work? Where do you feel lovely with the chocolate? On your skin? No, it's in your belly. I had this cinnamon bagel. It's treat day yesterday. It's awesome. I look forward to treat days. Had a treat day on Monday with Kirk and Mel. Had two treat days. I'm in freedom, see? I'm not bound to my treat day. I had this beautiful bagel, toasted it, cinnamon with a little bit of raisin, cup of tea, jam, bit into it, down she went, oh yeah, this is beautiful. So all the senses of my body, the way it tastes in my tongue, the way it feels in my mouth, the way it goes down to my stomach, and you know what, I feel satisfied because I was hungry. Now I've had my fill. I was in one position, now I'm in another, all within 30 seconds. Doesn't take me long to eat a bagel. (laughs) Danny would savour it. Be one bite, cup of tea. I'm just like, it's good. And I've moved from one reality to another. So this word that performs a work in you who believe so we have to receive it the way he intends we have to know it's the word of God the living word not man's version of it but God's version of it which these people were able to hear through the people that were teaching so they were teaching the word of God not the word of man and those people heard the word of God that was coming out of the vessel of man so you've got to be able to hear it you've got to accept it Sometimes the word of God comes, doesn't come the way you think it's going to come, does it? It doesn't come through the vessel you think it's going to come through either. See, we think it's going to come through this vessel, and when it comes through a completely other vessel, it's like, what? That can't be it, because it doesn't come through the way you think it's going to come. Which then exposes your own heart to pride. See, the word of the Lord came to John. If you go read all those people that were there that day, it's the who's who of the political regime 
in Rome and in the Jewish culture, but the word of the Lord comes to a dude called John. John the Baptist, who's a nobody but a somebody in the eyes of the Lord. He's in the kingdom way, not the institution. So John knows who he is, and he speaks from the authority, and he just says it as it is. And the religious system, the institution, the flesh comes and doesn't understand him because it can't because its operating system is completely different to the one that's operating. And this is present today. This is present in our time. It's present with us because we are flesh and spirit. So we're all in this together, aren't we? We're all in the pool of flesh and spirit together. Not one of us is outside of it. Because it's on that day that you're glorified that we're all outside of it. So this is where the war is that Paul understood. And yet his love and his, what he did with his body has covered it. But there needs to be an appropriation of it in our lives. So there's not much point saying I'm a son if I live as a slave. Isn't it? You're a son, but do you live as a son? Act like a son? Behave as a son? As I was driving home, the Holy Spirit said to me, Greg, people's behavior is the true indication of their maturity in Christ. Our tr- true maturity level is our behavior. Do we behave like Jesus? Or do we behave in an early childhood center? <laughs> Danny used to work in one. And she's at school now at Plymouth helping with children with special needs. But you go in there... And you'd see chaos, kids pulling other kids here, kids whacking other kids. Some days you'd go and it would be beautiful and peaceful. One kid would be crying because some kids got this and some kids got that bit and I want that bit. And you'd see World War III kicking off. You'd see the teacher in there trying to separate it all out. Infants. Infants act like infants. But sons act like sons because they are realizing there's a maturity that's required and are growing because the real battle is my flesh against my spirit. That's why Jesus said, your spirit's willing, but what was weak? You hear? Guys, can you pray with me for my final hour? Wasn't a big ask. Tonight, by the way, I'm actually not speaking. We're going to be praying at banquet. So come out and pray. We're going to watch an amazing clip from the movie The War Room. Not the movie. There's a clip about a 91-year-old lady who was literally... They wouldn't make the movie about her, but they found this lady as they were making the movie. And she's like the older black lady. It's unbelievable. I was crying. Me and Danny were crying watching it. She has come out. Five minutes. It's incredible. Then we're going to pray. But see, the flesh is weak. The spirit can want it, then the flesh kicks in. Trust me, you all stood up and your spirit's willing. When you walk out that door, you're going to be tested and tested and tested and tested. And that's why we need to be in discipleship. We're never created to walk this alone because God wants to do a work within us, powerful work. So let's have a look. Um, the next question is, what is the criteria for the word of God to perform this work in us? We must believe his word. Okay, So the word is to perform a work in us, our hearts and our minds, which brings healing. So where there is insecurity, security comes. Where there is bitterness, love comes. Where there is unforgiveness, wholeness comes. Where there is jealousy, healing Where there is selfish ambition, it leaves. This is the whole point. When the word of God comes in, what's in you comes out. They don't coexist. The whole reality is they're not to coexist. Because Christ is the example, isn't he? So if you always look at Christ as the example of the maturing process, that's what he's going after. That's what he's calling us to go after. So where healing comes, that issue no longer is because I've been healed of it. 
So if I was insecure and the word of God comes into me, I'm no longer insecure because the word has healed my insecurity. I have now more of him in me than I did. Does that make sense? So it's, it's very absolute. The word, the truth, will make you free. It will. It's not a if one day maybe but. But we are growing. So obviously to the measure really that the word is growing in you, being formed in you, is to the measure which we're now able to live it out. And it's a word that's performed in us. So we're going to go through some passages just to make this point, okay? Okay, Galatians, this is Paul. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. So he's painting a picture of who he was, yes? He's letting us very clearly know who he was before what's about to happen. But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb, isn't that amazing? Before the man was ever born, he was set apart to become a chief apostle. Whoa. The plan was already written before he ever breathed a breath. No accidents in God, guys. No accidents. And called me through his, what do we sing about? This is amazing grace. He was called through this thing called grace. Was pleased to reveal, that was the first point, received through revelation, his son where? In me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. So where did the revelation come? What was he doing before he got the revelation? Opposing, anti, going the opposite way. Did he think he was? No. So he needs a radical revelation in him, not even around him, in him, which then set him on a whole different course that he might now preach him, Christ, among the Gentiles. That's a bit radical, isn't it? The word performed a work in those who believe. Let's go to number two. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell where? In me. Do you know what the word dwell means? Inhabit. Okay, let's go to the next one. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Not around me, but within me. That is Colossians 1.29. The previous one is 2 Corinthians 12.9, if you're listening on the website. <laughs> okay, Galatians 4.19. My children, with whom I am again in labor, until Christ is formed in you. There's a pattern, isn't there? There's a real clear pattern that changed this man's life. Because you know who's writing all these? Paul. And Paul said this to the church, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. So imitate my life, how I live. Well, if we're going to imitate the way Paul lived, we have to have Paul's process. You can't have Paul's life without Paul's process. You can't have Christ's life without Christ's process. See, the challenge is that we can't see the life that Jesus lived his life from. You can't see the life I'm living my life from. You can't see it. You can see it come out. You can see me dance. You can see me sing. You can see me get excited. But what you don't know is the life that's sitting in my heart and my mind. And I don't know yours. And we don't know Jesus. So what happens is the church looks and sees all the externals and then goes after all the external things. But Jesus did all those externals from an abundant life within him. Hence, when he's in the boat, he's at peace and all his mates are freaking out. 
because of the life that's in him. So Paul's the same. Paul says, I go to Jerusalem and I know death awaits me, but I'm compelled to go to my death for the purpose of God's will. Because what's in him is greater than his flesh. He's not, his flesh isn't weak. It's full on his spirit. His spirit, why? Because he knows that he received a revelation, an ongoing revelation of Christ in him. So he writes from his reality to say, guys, my people, my church, if you want to come into this, this is where it happens. David knew it. David said, I want truth in my innermost part. I'm hoping you're hearing because we've missed this as a whole, the church. And we wonder why we're struggling and life is just almost consuming us and taking over us. And it's like, man, I'm shattered. And then we try and come into the life via the flesh. So that's not helping. That's getting frustrated. And then we hear it come out and then we appropriate, like I said last week, and our minds are so tired because it's like, mate, yeah, because we're entering the complete wrong way. That is the wrong way. And he's screaming this. And then look at Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Let the word of Christ, the word that's living, sharper than double-edged sword that fills like, again, the chocolate that you've eaten and the sensation that happened to me when I ate the bagel. Let the beauty of the warmth of the bagel, the richness of the bagel, the jam, because you don't eat sugar during the week, Greg, and sugar tastes beautiful when you've had no sugar and a cup of coffee, and you feel it. It's like, oh, man, this is beautiful. Let the word come into you like that and richly dwell in your spirit. And then your spirit, the word that's into the spirit comes through the soul, the mind, the will, the emotions. It takes over. It comes through, through the body, and it comes out in an expression. Yeah? So this is what God's doing here. Again, just to back up what I said at the start, this is what we are committing to. I want us all, more and more than what we're in today, to come into the word of Christ richly dwelling in us. But if we're going to, the truth has to be declared, his way has to be declared, and the flesh cannot coexist with the spirit, for they are in direct opposition to one another. So we must preach the truth for the work to be done and run the risk of what happens. Acts 20, 32. Just put the next one up. I'm sticking to my PowerPoint, Rochelle. Hey, how good's that? Once again, Paul, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. That is powerful. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to what? Say it with me. Are you sensing you are being built up? And to give you the inheritance that awaits you. See, what happens is the word that's richly dwelling in you starts to form you into a reality, a person. And now because you're becoming this person more and more, you then step out by faith and obedience to what he's asking you to do, which means your reward awaits you, your inheritance. The inheritance which is for the saints who are obedient to the word of the Lord. As we step out in faith, as we do works, works are just obedient. Works are obedience that God asks us to do, motivated by love and activated by faith. So as we step into these spirit-led works, because we are growing in Christ, we're able to say the things like Paul said even. We're able to go and have tricky conversations we're able to move through, we're able to step out, we're able to go and be in the city or in a workplace and lay hands on sick people. We're able to declare the goodness of God in our workplaces, our schools, our hospitals. We're actually being the church. Why? Because we're receiving the word that enables us to be the church and we're being built up by faith and love. And so now the natural expression of that is to be the expression of it. Yeah? 
And that's the purpose again of the word. And as you do that by faith and you're obedient, because it's obedience that enables you to get your inheritance, it's a free gift to come in, but then obedience plays a massive part. Empowered by love and faith. And so the word of God will give you the inheritance at the end of that life you've lived, which is obedient life to Christ, empowered by his love, and his faith, faith in Jesus. I no longer live, but the life I live, I live by faith in Jesus Christ. Paul again finds you receiving the reality that Paul said when he said, oh, the crown of righteousness, that's going to be mine. And to everyone else who lives like I lived. This isn't new news. This is old news. Is this new news to us today? See, this is the challenge for you and I to be in the word, that this is just yes. This is not new. This is not anything that's outside of this. And it's to be in us so then we demonstrate this incredible life. All this work is to be accomplished within us. So it just flows out of us. It's beautiful. It's restful. It's peaceful. There's no striving in my strength to acquire it. There's striving according to the power that works now within me. So that's still a restful place. Because it's coming from within me. I'm not trying to find the motivation to whip it up to achieve the task. It's there. And so I just, the natural response is to do it. And it's easy and light because it's the power within me is enabling me to do it. And it stays light. See, that's radically different from the flesh approach. And that's why in the flesh approach, there is no life. It's a burden. It's heavy. There's no peace. There's no joy. And you end up saying this, I have to do this. That's the flesh. The spirit is, wow, I get to do this. I'm empowered to do this. How do you go to a city to lay your life down when you know you're going to be dead, possibly killed? That is not human willpower in Paul. He lived that way and he was killing the church. See, he has a reference point for the word that performed its work in him and he has a reference point for intellectual study of the scriptures. See, he was the Pharisee that Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think in the scriptures you find eternal life. John 5, 39 to 40. But you are unwilling to come to me and have eternal life. That was Paul that he was talking to. He may not have been there at the time, but that was the type of person. He was Paul. So you search all the scriptures because you think in the scriptures you're going to find this eternal valued life, the life I described at the start when we started. But you're actually unwilling to come to me. Yeah, the penny drop. <laughs> I feel the weight of that is just going through you right now. The weight of that scripture to apprehend. Because Jesus wanted to do a work in those men. They weren't trying to miss him. They were looking for him. But he did not come in the version they thought he was going to come. The, the, uh, John the Baptist didn't come in the version they thought he was going to come. Well, we're no different. Guys, we're no different. We have expectations. We have mindsets. And this is how it's going to come. And when it doesn't come the way we think it's going to come, you have a decision to make. And the decision goes like this. Maybe I got it wrong. But that requires a humility of spirit rather than no, you got it wrong because that doesn't fit my box. And we are all susceptible to this, every one of us. I'm going to read 
when the word of God comes into us, incredible life is birthed on the inside of us. Our insecurities, our fears, our sense of lack and inadequacy, our pride, our selfish ways, our worries, our anger, leave. When the word of God comes into our hearts and minds, we are realigned and are now able to demonstrate the life that Christ demonstrated. So once again, it's a process. But this is how real the word is. Otherwise, we may as well go home and Jesus is a liar, isn't he? If the word doesn't set us free, then what's the point in getting to know and eating the word? For us to sit in two camps, it's pointless to why he would come when he came to bring us into freedom. For I've come to set you free, that you would no longer be yoked again to a bond of slavery. So if the word doesn't do what the word says it's to do, there would be no point to him coming. But there's the thing, the word does what it says it's going to do when we appropriate it the right way, the way he intends his way, which is a spirit-led way, not our way, and it's received within you. It's not through intellectual study, which is just information stored up in our heads. It's receiving it through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that comes into your spirit which brings understanding of the words now, which means that empowerment now enables you to now live differently because this power of the word you've received. So where you once maybe struggled to get up early and maybe or whenever and pray and read, you have the power, the energy to now do it because you've received the word of God. It's no longer you trying to burst one, you know, go, through self-effort. If I just try this harder and harder and harder and harder, you get a hard heart. I let go and I come in via weakness, which is anti my flesh that's built itself up to want to be in control. I'm going to read you this one scripture. We didn't even get to believe, sorry. Here's this last scripture, John seven thirty seven to 39. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. Why does John write that? He cried out. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, he was crying. He had compassion because he saw the people didn't have a shepherd. He saw they were just living themselves, trying to get it, but they're all over the place. And Jesus is crying out a reality. So he's about to declare something. Remember all the words Jesus said are true, aren't they? They are prophetic words that will come to pass if we enter into them, aren't they? They are what they are. They are real. Jesus does not lie. And so once again, you're about to hear an absolute promise for you and I. It's just whether we believe them, guys. It's whether we have a deep-rooted conviction of them through the power of the Spirit. And he said this, so he's crying out, if anyone is thirsty, if anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. Are we thirsty for Christ? Really? Really? I don't know. You've got to answer these questions yourself. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, you know what? He said, you've all come to me because not because of the signs and wonders I did when I fed the 5,000, but because you had your fill. You were hungry. You'd been three days. And you didn't come to me because you saw me with the bread. It was because you actually ate. You actually were starving. Now you're not. That's why you come to me. Then he says this, but here's the thing. Don't work for food that perishes. Work for food that lasts for eternal. And he says, by the way, it's me. See, here's what we do. We get hung up in the healing. We get hung up, sorry, in the feeding of the 5,000. And we teach that and we promote that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we miss the whole point of the whole message. And we continue to hunger and thirst because actually we're hoodwinked on the wrong thing. 
We've got entangled in the works, but not the person. And our focus is now on all the works while we're not necessarily in this incredible life and eating of him. Can you hear what I'm saying? So he says, well, don't work for food that's perishing. Work for food that's eternal. And then he says, I am the food that came down from heaven. Eat of me and you'll have eternal life. And eternal life is not eternity with God and its completeness, as we've been saying. And eternal life is a life that is abundant within you because you've received the word that performs its work in you. Now you're living from an eternal realm. You now have the life that was in Christ and Christ's heart and mind in you and I. So we live from this realm of peace and joy and patience and a kindness and a gentleness. So if I come to Andre and we're discussing something together, I come with the kingdom in me because I love him as a brother. And if I have to, or he has to correct me in love or rebuke me, or I see something maybe in their marriage and God asks me to go and help them that's causing them both pain, then I, when I come, I come with the kingdom in me. So there's peace, there's a gentleness. I've prayed out the Lord, give me the word to speak. And that gets released onto them with love even though it may be a tough word for him to hear as my brother. Then I hope like mad that he's also having the kingdom grown in him because he can see I'm for him, I'm not against him, I'm for them. And so this is why I'm here, otherwise I wouldn't even be bothered because I can get my head shot. <laughs> see, why would Nathan go to the king when the king could have lobbed his head off? Have you ever thought about this? Why would he have bothered the prophet? He's got the word of the Lord against the king who is a warrior. He's a man of blood. He knows how to kill really well. He loves God with all his heart. And Nathan has a word that he has to go to King David and deliver. You talk about being a peacemaker? Because they are the sons, there's a peacemaker right there. At the risk of his own life, he has to come to deliver the word of the Lord because he loves the Lord and David. And he can. Why? Because he loves God. He's full of God. He's full of the kingdom. And when you're full of the kingdom, you're able to do what God asks you to do because that's what the son did when he came down. He stood right in the middle of the Sanhedrin and said, here's all truth. And then he, all hell broke loose. This is happening today. This is happening in this community. It's happening in every community. It's happening in the church. Why? So the church can truly come into the fullness of this life in him. But guys, there is massive opposition to the spirit and the flesh, isn't there? It clashes like this. Boom, boom, boom. But as we know, the two attributes are love and submission that God puts into every environment. You and me, I promise to love you, Greg. Will you submit? Greg, if you choose to get married, you'll see that pattern when you marry Danielle. You're to love her, she is to submit. Can you see it? You put it into children. For us, we're to love them, they're to submit to us now. You bring that into your discipleship, you bring it into the and you see it all across every pattern that God has put in place to do a work in our hearts and minds. What for, though, for the purpose of being one with him and one another? So everyone's that come dine with me because we're loving one another. We're not outside, maybe, oh, it's a bit awkward, or it's a bit this, or I don't know about that. Or I'm the, Now, once again, you may have other things on, and that's all good. But if you haven't, I'd invite you to come. Because we're for one another. We're not against one another. We're for one another. But there is a real war going on for flesh and spirit. And the word that comes and does a work in our hearts and minds will bring us into a freedom which then enables us to see and hear and then live appropriately because you can see. To all those who believe and we're out of time. So, I don't know. Maybe that's why you just got to go look with him. But let me tell you this. Believe is a deep-rooted conviction. It's not a casual, I believe there's a God. It's a deep-rooted conviction. 
because you've received the word in your spirit that now has you living differently. If you once were trying to understand the scriptures intellectually first, you've put that way down and you've left it at the foot of the cross because you've realized that's not the way. And you've turned, repentance, you've turned, and now you're walking in the other way. And now you have to pray, ask, seek, knock, believe, hope all things, and, the Father, and wait. And the Father says, if you'll do these things, you seek me with all your heart, Jeremiah 17, 9, I think, you will find me, but my way. And I'll come and I'll do a crazy work in you. And if you haven't already, or you're in more, you'll be able to give testimony to the scripture that says, if anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. He who believes in me, believes in me, as the scriptures declare, not how you think they are, the true reality of the scriptures, my way, my version, from his innermost being again, innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Amazing. So there's a promise for us. There's a promise for you and I. But it does confront our lives. It does confront what we're eating. It does confront everything that we're partaking that's not of him. And guys, all I can say is if you want the fullness of the promise, change is needed. So the things that we're currently eating will need to go. And there will need to be another food source that you're eating. So there has to be a letting go of one to attain another. You can't bring what you are have that's actually killing you and bring it with you. It has to go like, I spend, I don't know, all these hours doing X. Let's say me, okay, I'm spending two hours, four times a week at the gym. That's eight hours. It's actually not eight hours, about six. Maybe some of that needs to go. Maybe I need to take half an hour of that and give it to him and trust him with it. A good friend of mine who is a businessman, very successful businessman, was apprehended by God about 18 months ago where God said, I want you to give me 10 minutes. I don't have 10 minutes. And he didn't. He has a very successful business here in New Zealand. And he's all over the place. His business is growing rapidly because he's doing it God's way. It's amazing testimony. He's helping us here with Cambodia. And God said, I want you to give me 10 minutes. He said, I don't have 10 minutes, man. I've got business. I've got a family. He's got four kids. He's got a massive property and stuff. And there's all work. I don't have it. God says, so give me 10 minutes. God just keeps saying, give me 10 minutes. Over two or three weeks, I don't have 10 minutes. Give me 10 minutes. Give me 10 minutes. He yielded to the voice. I might get him to come and preach the story because it's phenomenal. He now gives God about two and a half hours a day. And God is carrying and multiplying and he's in a rest he's never been in. And he's come into a reality in him. And now he actually, he's like, work, I just want to share with people. All because he gave him 10 minutes. That's not too much to ask, really, is it? He gave his life. And what I've found is I've given him my life and continue to, there's just an abundance. And all those other things in life get redefined and put in their rightful place. So you still turn up at netball games like yesterday. You still go to the meetings with the parents, you still do the sport, you still read the books, you still do all the things. You don't lose your life in the sense of, I'm just this wacko Jesus dude now. It's just life gets realigned and now you're living more in this fullness of life and that life appropriates all that stuff. That stuff's no longer consuming, I'm consumed with him. And that is so good. So Father, I just want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for who we are in you. I want to thank you for who you are. And Holy Spirit, you've been given the role of leading us into all truth. 
I pray we would bow our knee. I pray we would come in weakness because then we are strong. Lord, let our flesh die. Let our, let our mindsets die. And let us just come with an, out an agenda and just seek and ask you to do a deep work within us as we meditate on your word, as we spend time in prayer, as we just seek your face. Lord, we ask that we would come into a greater measure of you and us, that the word, your son and his words, would penetrate our heart and our mind, and you would reveal this word which would bring sight and ability to hear and receive the power of this living word, you. May the word of God richly dwell within us. May it be formed in us. May your power be outworked within us that would bring forth a passion and a hunger for more of you and establishing you as our Lord and our centerpiece of our hearts and our minds. For then we can love you with it all, live for you with it all, and let you lead us in every area of our lives. So we ask this through Jesus' precious name. Amen.